I'm Ken Hemmings, and he is Chris Lang, and welcome to another of these regular property briefings. Again, a warm welcome to you, Chris. Well, it's good to be back with you again. At the very outset of this series of podcasts, you outline the basics of your nine-step investment formula. And I noticed that two of those steps are devoted to finance. Is there a reason for that? Well, that's probably because it's one of the most important aspects of purchasing commercial property. I mean, sure, you can analyse and research property as much as you like and negotiate the best deal, but if you don't pay enough attention to the finance, the whole thing can fall apart. You see... Not many people realise this, but probably the most complex and time-consuming and confusing aspect of purchasing commercial property is actually arranging the finance if you decide to do it by yourself. And that's one of the main reasons that I always use and would strongly recommend that, as an investor, you use also a good finance broker. Now, it's not that you're incapable of doing it. It's simply that it's an unproductive use of your time in that you have pretty steep learning curve and also keeping abreast of all the nuances and changes of interest rates and terms. And not only do you need to decide upon what is the best type of finance, you also need to uncover the best rate in the most favourable terms. And unless you do this on a day-in, day-out basis, you really wouldn't know where to begin. Perhaps you could start by explaining the difference between commercial and residential loans. There are actually a number of significant differences between residential and commercial property finance. You see, with residential property, the lenders seem to pay little regard to the property's income-generating potential. They tend to focus mainly on the borrower's ability to service debt. And that's principally because the value of residential properties can be very quickly established through comparison with a large number of broadly similar properties. And therefore, whether it's vacant or whether it's occupied, it makes little or no difference as far as the lenders are concerned. But when it comes to commercial property, the income potential is what's paramount and, and that's what they tend to focus on. And so the length of the lease and the quality of the tenant are the key things that come out when you're trying to borrow for commercial property. And that really is the main difference between the two. And so you need to understand that you're unable to to borrow for a longer period than the lease itself. So that's why sometimes a property that might only have a 12 or 18 month lease to run can be more difficult to find finance for because they won't lend for a three or a four year period because the lease expires, the tenant may leave and and they'll be exposed. So unless you have significant other assets it's going to present an issue. So that's why with most of my clients, I generally 
will seek to have a minimum of a three-year lease, ideally longer, to assist with the organising of finance. What are the main items a lender will be considering? Well, there are probably three main things. I've already touched on the property's income because fundamentally, after you allow for operating expenses, your lender wants to know that there is adequate income to ensure the mortgage can be serviced. And as I said, that's where the length of the lease and the quality of the tenant comes in to ensure that there is a sufficient level of income and, more importantly, that it will be ongoing. Now, one of the advantages of commercial leases is that in 95% of circumstances, the tenant will pay the outgoing. Sometimes it's a gross lease, but that's pretty rare. So the tenant will pay you a rent, then they pay the rates and building maintenance and insurance, and sometimes if the lease is structured properly, even the management fee. So it's that net figure that the financiers look at as to whether it will cover the mortgage payments and also, as I said, the length for which they have that being the term of the lease. And the next thing is the debt coverage ratio. And that's calculated by dividing the property's net income, which we've just discussed, by the annual interest payments. Now, depending on your lender and the specific requirements that they have, that debt coverage ratio may range somewhere between 1.1 to 1.35 times the annual net rental. But as a general rule of thumb, 1.2 times is considered the norm. And therefore, clearly, the higher that figure, the greater the comfort for the lender and the more likelihood that your loan application will get a speedy consideration and acceptance. So again, working with your broker, you'll be able to to get everything, all your ducks in a row as far as making the formal application so that you don't have to spend hours doing it. The broker will organise it. He'll get whatever information he needs from you, package it up and put it in the format that that particular lender or lenders require so that it presents your case in the best light. Also, the third thing is obviously the loan-to-value ratio. Now, that for a commercial property generally will max out at about 70% of the property's value, not necessarily the price you pay, but the actual property's value. And this level, you'll be required to provide personal guarantees. However, if you are prepared to reduce your borrowings to 65% of the property's value, you can obtain what's called non-recourse finance, where the property then provides the sole security for the loan and you don't have to provide personal guarantees. Now, this is pretty important if you there might be two parties buying the same property and sharing it, perhaps as a unit trust or whatever. You don't want to have to give personal guarantees because guarantees are what are called joint and several. In other words, you're not just responsible for your share of the loan. If the other party defaults, you have to take over 100% of the responsibility. So I tend to encourage clients to opt for the 65%, maybe lower their sights as far as the 
size of the property they could, could purchase, but it just means there's greater exposure by taking the extra amount and having to provide a personal guarantee. And, you know, it just is an unnecessary risk. Let's discuss for a moment the loan process itself. Would you mind walking our listeners through that? Well, when you start to look at the loan process, you've got to understand that up until the point when you purchase the property, actually purchase it, enter into a contract, no lender is going to sign off on every aspect of the deal. And that's where having a broker can make a huge difference. Because if the lender is familiar with working with that broker over a period of time, if the broker says the client is of good standing, then he or she can get a much better or firmer indicative approval of the loan. And that's what you want, is before you you make your proposal. And that's where, with my clients, the broker knows that they're going to scrub up okay financially, and therefore the lenders can... Generally, I find within 48 hours, you can have a pretty good indicative proposal in front of you. Now, as you recall, part of the process is not so much the loan... It's the knowing that the property is going to value up and that's where having a advice from a value in advance so you know a figure up to which they are prepared to support. And that's all the bank wants to know, that a valuer will support the figure. So really, the indicative proposal is more assuming that you had the financial capability and, the, and so forth, that the, you just want to know what the interest rate is and if there are any commercial terms that you perhaps can't live with. And that, again, is where the broker works. And so, as I said, the broker I use is Perry Finance, and you'll normally receive that approval within 48 hours plus a firm indication of the rate of interest and any specific loan terms associated with the loan. So it's not a complicated process, but whereas if you approach the lender direct, the first thing they say is, well, can we have a full financial background and so forth? Well, you step around that. Yes, you'll have to provide that, but not at this stage. So that Perry Finance will go out to one, two, three, maybe four lenders and get proposals from them based on their relationship with those financiers over time. And you will very quickly have the details you need to progress further with confidence in committing to purchase the property. So what happens after you've secured the property? Well, now that you've secured the property under a firm contract and exchanged, you sit down with a finance broker and put together the personal credentials that the lender may actually require. And then those are passed across together with a copy of the contract of sale. Now, what then happens is, unlike the normal procedure where you go cap in hand to a lender and the lender organises the valuation, you then instruct the valuer that has given the pre-advice as to how much they're prepared to support. And they do the valuation for you and you give that to the finance broker. 
because that's what lenders need in order to underpin the loan and therefore grant you the mortgage over the property. Now, as I said, normally that's what they would organise, but step six of my investment formula makes it clear that you, not the lender, are the one to instruct the, the valuer. And that's simply because this enables you to take control of the entire process and thereby ensure you don't have any surprises as settlement approaches. Plus, you get to borrow the funds on the terms and the conditions that suit you. But unbeknown to the lender, you already know that the value is going to support the price you paid because in step three of the formula, you, you had that advice in advance. So it makes it so much more comfortable for you knowing that you are in control of the process and not just at the behest of the lender and the whims that their credit committee might have. So I find it work for me and my clients over the last 30 odd years so I recommend that you adopt that same process. And then what about after the loan terms have been agreed and finalised? Well after everything's agreed with the financier it's then and only then do you arrange for the valuation to be assigned to the financier. In other words, it's reissued in the financier's name. Now, the broker will have already in advance had the financier agreed they're happy to work with the valuer. And the valuer that I use, um, Heron Todd White, on pretty much all the valuation panels all around Australia. So it means that if by just following this simple process, it helps guarantee that you can enjoy plain sailing right through and up into settlement. And so there aren't any unwanted surprises on the way through. You know, that makes a lot of sense and will obviously ensure the aspect of finance is something we can now have under our controls. So thanks for simplifying all of that. Well, it really is quite easy. All you need to do is follow the key steps which have been proven to work over and over again.